I'm launching a course called Successful ADHD Entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I've had ADHD for a little bit longer than that. Over that time, I've learned quite a few things that make me quite effective. People even call me organized. After many people asked me to, I have created a course to share what I've learned with you. Get details at neurodiversity.me slash course. The first run is limited to only 20 students, and the first class is April 20th, so don't put this one off neurodiversity.me slash course. My name is Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. I'm a global connector, networking concierge, and coach. For two decades, I believed that my ADHD was a disability. Only at the age of 41 would I come to realize that my ADHD was an incredible asset. And when I leaned into that, I achieved greater success than ever before. ADHD is the engine behind my own success as a networker and coach. Over the past few years, I've spoken with thousands of entrepreneurs and found that many of them have some kind of neurodiverse diagnosis, ADHD, autism, dyslexia, OCD, and more. Like me, for many of them, their neurodiversity is indeed the very source of their success. On this show, we will change the narrative on neurodiversity. I've heard enough about the challenges and how hard it can be. I want to hear about how awesome we are. It's time to start talking about how our neurodiversity can be an asset for ourselves, our communities, and our businesses. It's time to start talking about neurodiversity superpowers. So welcome back to the Neurodiversity Superpowers podcast. I am, as always, your host, Michael Whitehouse, the guy who knows a guy. And our guest today is David Hensel. He is the CEO of UpCoach and a veteran entrepreneur who has been building in the SaaS and e-com space for over 20 years. He had multiple exits, including MaxCDN. His passion is to help individuals and their organizations reach their full potential. Aside from UpCoach, a coaching delivery system, he has a small portfolio of companies, including LTV+, uh, TaskDrive, Shortlist.io, and his passion project, Managing Happiness which is Peak Performance Group Coaching for Entrepreneurs. So welcome to the show, David. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. All right. So we touched on a little bit in the bio, but uh, tell us in your own words, how are you successful? What makes you successful? I mean, I think there's lots of factors uh, that make somebody successful. Uh, in my case, my neurodiversity actually helped me to, to some extent. I have a condition called aphantasia. Mm. And uh, I guess it makes me PTSD proof and the entrepreneurial roller coaster that people have, you know, the, the emotional baggage of certain things, I just don't have. Interesting. I can certainly see how that works. So, for those who, don't, who are not familiar with it, what is aphantasia? Uh, I just found out uh, two years ago. So, I was really mind blown that uh, everybody else thinks very differently from the, the way I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. I cannot create images in my mind. So, when I close my eyes and I think of an apple, I see nothing. Or if I think of my daughter's face, I see nothing. So, yeah, and also, and there's a spectrum of it, and I'm like very far on the left. Like there's, it's really just blackness in my head. Okay. But I also cannot recreate say, the same way you would create images. I cannot recreate sounds, tastes, smells, or emotions. So basically, something bad's happening, and um, once this moment has passed, it's gone. You know, I don't. Yeah, no emotional baggage. Hmm. So you remember that it happened and the details. I remember that it happened. You know, also I also remember how this apple tasted, but like on a spectrum from like zero to ten. But I cannot. There's like no details. It's a very low detail 
memory. So everything is like more of a logical concept mm. than actual picture, emotional, or whatever memories. It's like somebody wrote wrote and filed a report. The apple was sweet. Yes, and absolutely, exactly. And like, yes, oh, yeah, sweet and crunchy. Okay. Um, yeah, I can see how it can be valuable. So, so if you have a negative experience, a business fails or a car accident or whatever, then you'll be aware the business failed. It was unpleasant, and not you're not replaying in your mind. The, the look on your partner's face when he gave you the news that you didn't have any money left or correct and and it also helps me with like these I, I think in logical systems so everything in my mind is a system so i'm good at systematizing businesses i currently have 10 businesses mm -hmm. um that i'm running simultaneous well with business partners and general managers but uh i think i'm really good at organizational development yeah like how to you know how to systematize things and this really plays into Oh, it's one of my strengths that helped me to be successful in, in the business world. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and so, so do you think the the Fantasia, like the lack of distractions, is part of why you're so good at systemization? Or is that maybe just they both happen to have come in the same brain? I'm not sure. I think it's related because, you know, this is like how I archive things, how I have, you know, memories is mm -hmm. just systems, like logical connected things. Uh, and I always see like the high level view on, on how things work because I don't get lost in too many details. You know, it's just kind of like, yeah. Um, now, so, so the downside of that, of course, if, there's downsides. I mean, you, sure. You're avoiding the downside, which is that you're not, um, you, you're not, I'm not an artist or I'm not an actor, you know, because like I cannot replay emotions. It just like, right. doesn't work because I cannot, you know. And you're also not thinking like, oh, what happens if this fails or what if this falls through because you're not visualizing it. But now on the, I think for some entrepreneurs, what they're driven by is the vision of, you know, living in the big house on the water or paying off all their bills, you know, any of that. I, I, ha I have visions, just like logical visions. I just don't have visual visions. Okay. If this so makes you, sense. You still get excited about the potential for. Yeah. I, there's also something with, I'm not sure if this is related to Aphantasia. I'm also German. So I'm like, you know, very, you know, I always joke like I'm German. I have no emotions. <laughs> and then you know americans ha -ha, say ha ha but germans say what do you mean you know because i guess uh, with with the aphantasia combined with german in my upbringing like if this is the spectrum of emotions this is depressed and this is like yay uh, i'm kind of always up here okay you know, i'm never i'm never like super ecstatic but i'm also never never down interesting so this is why i'm kind of like always very very even keeled in everything i'm doing yeah i can see the i can certainly see the value of that of you know you not having the top end, not having the bottom end, and so you stay, stay right in the middle. It can no, provide. actually more more up. I'm 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 very happy and content. Okay, you know with, and um, there's downsides are, um, aside from not being able to be an actor, I, then this sounds really horrible, but I cannot feel empathy. Oh, okay, I have deep logical empathy. You know, I always I, I love people. You know, and I I love to help people. But when people used to tell me like some horrible thing they went through, I'm sitting there and thinking about like, okay, how can I put them into a better position? But I don't have to like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. You know, kind of like this. And, you know, now I'm aware of this. I kind of play the empathy piece because I have logical empathy. But, yep. you know, people feel weird. You know, they, they tell me something horrible and I still sit there and smile at them. You know, so this, <laughs> this okay. was something. It doesn't emotionally affect you. You're, you're aware that they must be upset, but you're not upset with them. Correct. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, I, I can't miss things or people. When we left LA, we moved from Los Angeles 
to Turkey and everybody's like, oh, we're going to miss you. I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, I'm going to miss you too. Like, <laughs> you know. I will also not be seeing you on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I can see how that could, that, that on its own could have, could have ups and downs or pluses and minuses. Like the, the not missing is, is a, you know, for anyone who's missing someone that they're not seeing, like, I wish I had that. Um, but at the same time, it, I can see that being a challenge for connecting with people. And no, absolutely not. I, I'm just there's other in business or like personally, I always like to find a crutch. Like yep. if I have you know, something that you know, for for example, um, I'm very vulnerable and open. I do not wear masks, so I'm yep. like always completely open. And this, you connect with people so much faster. You know, because yep. like if you have the emotional baggage thing, then you're may you know hold back in terms of connecting with people i said i'm trying to find a downside and i'm having trouble um, it's, it's, but but in terms of that, that openingness i'm i i know with my own adhd i'm not great at at like keeping track of you know sending thank you notes and doing all those traditionally polite things but i own it so i'm like well i don't have that but i'm just gonna make some introductions for you and they're like keep your thank you notes i'll take your introductions but but you know i'm I also, you know, some of those similar to the the empathy thing. I mean, I tend to have that that empathy, but similar to that, um, some of those other niceties I have to do intentionally rather than it coming naturally. And but but also, you know, just like you, I'm I'm very open. I can't keep track of the stories I tell, so I I only have one story. It's my true story because if I try to tell any other story, I'll get caught. Yeah, I'm, I'm not not smart enough. For yeah. that, you know, yes. I can't, can't do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're not definitely not smart enough for that. Um, so and so, and I I completely get what you're saying that when you're open like that, uh, I I myself found it's very rarely come back negatively. Yeah, I've mm. rarely said, oh, I wish I hadn't shared that. And very often, people are like, wow, you're so open, you're so honest, you're so approachable. I'm like, what else would I be? Yeah, alternative seems pretty tough. And, and you repel people that are not a fit for your right. life anyway, right? And you, you draw the ones that are fit, you draw them in closer. And, you know, I, I used to be very introverted, mm -hmm. like super duper introverted. And um, I always, you know, I saw how beneficial networking can be and how beneficial public speaking can be or being on podcasts, etc. So I really worked hard on this. I did Toastmasters twice a week. These are public speaking classes. Yep. So if you know it. And I went to two networking events per week, talking to everybody and their mom uh, until I overcame my shyness through, let's say, brutal exposure therapy. Yep. And well but done. the real switch happened when my yoga teacher said, every decision in life, you either make out of love or out of fear. These are the two basic emotions why you do everything in life and if i make them out of love i'm on the right path and if i'm making them out of fear i'm going in the wrong direction and this epiphany helped me with with everything also being like transparent with networking public speaking because when i public speak and i think about hey what i'm sharing here can help them in their life and their business then i'm doing this with love and i can give a presentation versus thinking about like oh do they think i have a weird german accent do they think what i'm saying is stupid do they think i look weird or whatever right and then i can't because it's about me and i'm full of fear and so this, yeah, this was another hack called a mindset switch that really helped me too. Yeah, no, that's a powerful. Con I love that concept. Everything you, every decision you make is love or fear. So that's great. Um, so, so I'm curious about some some of these organizations you run. Um, so mm -hmm. so the the one you put up at the top was the uh, was UpCoach. Uh, so tell mm -hmm. us a little about what uh, what UpCoach is. 
Um, it's not manage happiness because manage uh, app coach was born due to managing happiness. So I used to have an online course with managing happiness, teaching mm -hmm. people how to apply business principles to your personal, your family life. Interesting. Since I'm good with systems, I like to systematize stuff. Also, my marriage, etc. Like, uh, to have the crutch, basically. And I had a seven percent completion rate on the course, and I thought that's pretty horrible. Uh, Hundred people buy my course, and only seven of them really get the value from it. Yeah. And I thought my course must suck because the numbers are so low. But then I looked into public stats, and it's actually a pretty decent completion rate. But I thought there must be more. Um, there must be a way to, um, you know, get this into people's heads because I was not doing this for money. I was doing this to have a positive impact, a really good exit with Max at the end. So it was really purely impact driven. And I switched to cohort-based coaching, basically uh, a mixture of course and Zoom calls and, you know, kind of like tooling this together with different tools. And I had a 90% completion rate from, mm -hmm. you know, from seven to 90%. It's like, holy cow, there's something there. And, but it was very taxing and not a good experience. It's taxing on me or my time as I had to use 10 different tools to make this happen. Mm -hmm. And also no good experience for the, for the, for the consumer. And so I asked one of my, the CTO of one of my businesses to build me something. And over time, it got better and better and better to the point where I had like a really cool tool, tool for coaches to run their business better. And uh, I showed this to Todd Herman. He wrote the alter ego effect, in case you know Todd, coaching space. Um, and he's like a big deal in the coaching world because he was like the best coach I knew. And so I came and I built a tool for coaches. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this? And he said, um, this solves 80% of my the problems in my coaching business can invest and be your business partner. I'm like, I didn't think about that, but sure, let's do it. <laughs> and so this is how UpCoach was born. And yeah, this, this is basically what it, what it does. The, it has lots of accountability tools. It's very flexible that you can kind of really build everything that you need as a coach in terms of the delivery uh, of, your, um, of your method. And we... Software's path for LMSs as passive consumption tools. UpCoach is a transformation platform because it really brings the transformation through these accountability tools, positive peer pressure, etc., to yeah get people to the desired results. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, that, that seems seems like a very important thing because yeah, with coaching, if you're doing anything beyond just well, if you're trying to go get do a higher level of coaching, then there's a lot of your value in keeping track of the notes and the accountability and the homework and and be able to look back especially when you do this with the, with the cord of multiple people you know it's kind of like how do you keep track of this because one-on-one is kind of easy to keep track of things yeah. but if you have multiple people going through this where's everybody at and following mm -hmm. up with them etc so, so it's primarily built for group group coaching programs and no, it's for, for group coaching, for one-on-one, -on -one, for masterminds, for cohort-based stuff. You can kind of like, we made it very flexible. It's similar to Elementor in the press. It's like some drag-and-drop builder, so you can really kind of build together everything that you need. Okay. You, can, you can have your, your, your forum in there, habit tracking. There's like lots of different blocks. Okay. And is it is it structured so that any level of coach from early stage to Tony Robbins could... Could yeah, use of this. it's we're we're um we're focusing on professional coaches. Yeah, and coaching organizations. You know, so somebody was like multiple coaches. Okay. In the org and keeping track of the coaches as well. Interesting. Yeah, and I'd, I I like that the the managing happiness concept. So, so you're you're talking about taking the 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 structural, like 
systems and processes from business and then applying them to personal life to get similar improvement in your personal life to what you might in a growing business? Yes. So the idea is that you figure out what you really want out of life. Mm. So if you define your vision, mission, and values for the most important areas of your life, like you, yourself, uh, mind, spirit, and you as a professional and you as the family or the relationships that you have in your life. So each one gets a vision and mission, and then each one gets like the goals that you want to set. Okay. And then we help you to dial in your habits because I'm a big believer that habits are in everything in your life. If yeah. you're rich, if you're poor, if you're happy, unhappy, obese, or in shape, it all boils down to which habits you cultivate. And yeah, this is what we what I guide people through to learn this. And we do this together in groups because uh, personal development is best in groups. We mm -hmm. are the average of the five people you, we spend the most time with. And you know, if you have a group of like-minded peers that have the same goals, you know, kind of helps you to be driven and to actually accomplish stuff. So my big vision for managing happiness is I want to build the Toastmasters of personal development. Oh. Lots of self-organized groups all around the world where people help each other to figure out what they really want out of life, what their mission and vision are, and basically how to get what you want out of life by holding each other accountable and that everybody stays on their A-game. I love that concept. That is a very exciting concept to me. Because, I, I, yeah, I see so many people, and often, you know, it, here in the United States, there's a lot of economic challenges. Half the country is doing awesome, and half the country is barely not homeless. Um, and so for that that lower half, it's getting past the survival mode. But if they could, you know, learning how to set goals, how to set habits, develop those things, I think would help a lot of people in the one half get to the other half. And it'd be great, you know, really powerful if there were groups where people could support each other. Were these like in-person groups or online groups or... It's all online. Maybe at some point in person, but for now, you know, because online works pretty well. Also, yeah. you know, I've been doing remote work for quite some time, even pre-COVID, and we have 500 people in 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 my companies, and everything is remote, and it's working really well. So yeah. I'm, I also think that the the managing happiness concept also works uh, remote. We were planning on doing like retreats where then people meet up in person or like you know local city mm -hmm. meetups and stuff, but yeah, mainly online. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense too. So you could have different groups that are geographically agnostic, and then you have a Berlin meetup or a Boston meetup or a New York meetup Correct. of all the people who are who are in that area. So that sounds like a, a really exciting concept. I definitely want to talk to you more about that off the air, about how I might be able to help with that. That sounds really powerful. Um, and and the, the program, um, when I was looking at the website, it looked like it was quite affordable. Yeah, because I want to, you know, for me, this is not about making money. For me, this mm -hmm. is about reaching as many people and improving the lives of as many people as possible. Um, hence the, the Toastmasters model. Toastmasters is also not very, very expensive. Yeah. You know, and the the cost that we have is because we want to, first I thought we'll do this just self-guided groups, but now we thought we, we'll do it with guides, people that are alumni that went through the program before or people mm -hmm. that are coaches. So we can have these coaches that are guiding small groups of four people and one coach to kind of really get the, Get the, get the most out of it and money is mainly doing for we, we use the money for acquisition of new customers and then rest we give coaches that they you know are incentivized to to coach a lot of people doing it for free as well yeah guides but you know i want to be like this ecosystem yeah you, make, you need some some money in the system to make it scalable yeah because you know I'm, I'm happy to fund it but i i i personally and this is gonna sound controversial but i do not like non-profits because they feel like cars without an engine somebody yep. always has to push them and i want to build for purpose businesses mm -hmm. that have their own engine generate their own money and you know because then i think we can go go far yeah. without being relying on i it. think that that's a great concept and 
it's interesting actually with with my neurodiverse superpowers journey the the people who seem most most aligned with that concept that you just said uh are either a lot of them but they're on the autism spectrum or one of the neurodiversities that makes them more rational and less emotional uh because it's it just makes sense that there should be some money in the system so when it succeeds it will succeed more a lot of these nonprofits they collapse under their own weight because they're they could do amazing things but the more they do, the more fundraising they have to do. So then they just become fundraising engines, and they're doing less and less of the work and more and more of the fundraising. So if you can make a self-driving, you know, even if it's off a couple hundred dollars per person, if you can make it self-funding. So if you do have a million people sign up, you're not like, oh, my God, where are we going to get $100 million? It's a million people sign up. Oh, look, $100 million. Now how do we deploy this to to take this next level and keep it growing? So that's – I. I I love that. Kind of, yeah, I've, I've totally seen that with nonprofits that, okay, great. So I give you a hundred bucks and you're going to use it. And next year you're going to come back to me and ask me for a hundred bucks again, because you need so much infrastructure to manage getting all of that money to get it there. It's sort of like with the, you know, with a rocket where it's something like 40% of the fuel is used to lift the fuel because the fuel's heavy. <laughs> so you need fuel. And of course, yeah, with the rocket, you need to do that. But like a bunch of the fuels used to lift the fuel. Same thing with these nonprofits. A lot of the money is used for the infrastructure yep. to manage the money and you need the accounting and you need the the oversight and and all that whereas if it's for profit then you don't need a lot of those expenditures and someone who pays into the program they don't care to do the money they paid they got value everyone's happy kind of like how elon musk's building rockets and how nasa or the government used to build rockets price wise you know yep. like innovation wise like, yeah that, that's a great great concept so uh, yeah really like really interesting idea and i, I specifically did want to mention that it's that is affordable because i know often i'll hear about these things i'm listening to a podcast i'll hear something and i'll be like ah is that even worth looking at i'm sure it's not in my budget and then i looked at that and i said oh that's totally my budget that's in most people's budget so um definitely yeah, check out we started with 200 dollars for yeah. the first month where we do the 30-day challenge yeah which is pretty reasonable pretty approachable for most people and and so that's at uh, managinghappiness.com correct so people can find that there and of course upcoach is at upcoach.com exactly i like dot coms with only with shortest.io yeah yeah see a lot of good easy to find links for anyone out there who is finds themselves to be they think differently than others one way or the other whether they have a diagnosis or do they just seem a little bit odd uh what what is your advice to someone who hasn't found their found their niche but has certainly found their difference this is a general advice for for anybody it's like figure out how you can provide as much value as possible possible to as many people as possible because money is a side effect of providing value if you find a way to provide as much value as possible to as many people as possible you be the richest dude around you know so i think this is like always important thing and also like act out of love you know kind of being off service same as like you know providing value but i used to hate sales because I felt like a used car salesman shoving something down somebody else's throat, you know. But the startup, because we have to make money and kind of setting out of fear because we otherwise run out of money, la. But if I turn this around and I act out of love and I know this product is a good fit for you, I know that UpCoach can help you. I can even be a pushy sales case. Like, dude, freaking buy this. It's going to be amazing. And you feel where I'm coming from because I'm doing this out of love and not out of fear. Mm. You know, so I think it's, it's uh, I can go on and on about the love and fear concept. Actually, yeah. you can check out lovenotfear.com. They can see a little video that explains the the concept fully. Uh, I think it's I think this is like magic happiness, a big part of my mission. But I think like the the end goal mission is that everybody understands that if they make decisions out of love and not out of fear, if I can achieve this with as many people as possible, this like I can lay myself to rest. Um, uh, or when I close my eyes at the end of my life, I think like okay, 
life well lived. Yeah, that, and that's a great it's it's great concept because it's so easy that like as soon as you hear it, it makes sense. There's some things like okay, I gotta meditate on that, I gotta figure out how to employ it. Whereas this, you can simply say, where did I make that decision from? Is this from love or from fear? And if you just start thinking that way and and analyzing that, you'll start to see what path you're you're walking on. And it's, it's very easy. It's just about your emotions. How you feel about what you're doing right now. Yeah. If this feels good, lean in. If this doesn't feel good, take a step back and think, why does this not feel good? Can I change my mindset towards this? Or is this not the right thing for me to do? And not, not exactly. My wife always asks me to do stuff around the house. Like, David, could you please drill this hole into the wall and hang up this picture? David, could you assemble this piece of furniture? All these things I really hate with a passion. I actually prefer to do my taxes over these type of things, but I always did them out of fear to make my wife happy, you know, to not to have conflict with her out of fear, basically. And when I do a task like this out of fear, when you do work out of fear, the outcome is shitty because, you know, yeah. you're not doing it with love. And then I had a fight with her afterwards because it was not up to her spec. That's crooked. Or why did you do this? You know, so nobody was winning. So now I still start these tasks out of fear, but then I switch to love because I want to make my wife happy. And I want to make our place nicer. And sometimes these tasks are actually not that bad and kind of fun. You know, so it's just really about like how you shift your, your mind. Yeah, I had that experience this morning and where I had to pay some medical bills because over here in the U.S. we get to pay our own medical bills. Freedom. Mm -hmm. I know you're jealous. You wish you could pay medical bills like we do. But uh, yes, uh, I, lived in the, I lived in the U.S. for okay. eight years. I've, yes. You yeah, know, you know about I've it. Paid. Uh, but yeah, so I had to pay these medical bills. And, and at first I was like, ah, oh, so, you know, I... This this is such a pain, and you know I've got a, it's like three different bills, and I had to call someone to figure out what the heck we even owed. And then I thought, but I have the money to pay it. The fact that I can pay these bills, like yes, it's annoying, and I got to figure it out, and I got to negotiate it. But ten years ago, a bill this size would have just been like, well, there's one more on the debt pile. Guess that's not happening. So I, I switched it from that fear of, and I think there's some residual fear too of like, oh my god, a bill. Wait, I can pay the bill. I have, I'm in a good place now. And so I'm going to take the money I make from the business that I have that's successful. I'm going to pay the bill and be thankful I can. And yes, it's it, great gratitude. Yeah, so it totally shift. I mean, I still didn't like doing it. Uh, it was still annoying, but it wasn't the same, the same level of, it was like, eh, that's annoying. Okay, on to the next. It feels, feels much better doing this, you know, this, the, the process of doing it feels like also it's probably faster when, when you're in a state of love. I think that's kind of the, the upshot of this, this interview is that make decisions out of love, not fear is a powerful lesson people take away from. So thank you so much for sharing that. So if people like to get in touch with you. What is the best way for them to do that? You can reach me on all social media channels, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. These, I get a lot of like random spam requests as well. So if you tell me that you heard me on Michael's podcast and I'll definitely connect with you. Happy to chat. Website-wise, you can also go to hensel.com, last name, and uh, or davidhensel.com, and you'll find a list of my portfolio companies. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on. This has been a great conversation, a lot of fun, and I've learned some things, as I always do. That's why I do podcasts. So thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me, Michael. This has been the Neurodiversity Superpowers Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Whitehouse. Sign up to get every episode at neurodiversitysuperpowers.me. Join our Facebook group on facebook.com slash groups slash neurodiversity superpowers. Thank you so much for joining us, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast.
I'm launching a course called Successful ADHD Entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and I've had ADHD for a little bit longer than that. Over that time, I've learned quite a few things that make me quite effective. People even call me organized. After many people ask me to, I have created a course to share what I've learned with you. Get details at neurodiversity.me course. The first run is limited to only 20 students, and the first class is April 20th, so don't put this one off neurodiversity.me slash course.